0: Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hi friends, welcome to episode number 105 of the Adoption Connection Podcast.
1: Lisa, we talk a lot here on the podcast about how between the two of us, we make up all three sides of the adoption triad. I'm an adoptee and an adoptive mom, and you're a birth mom and an adoptive mom, and I feel like I run into folks, not a ton, but there are other people out there who are adoptees who have adopted, but I feel like it's more unusual to run into folks who are birth moms who then have also gone on to adopt, but we actually connected with someone who has both of those things in common with you.
0: Yes, it was so interesting talking with her. And you'll hear that in the interview. We just were like, wow, we had so much in common. But Adrienne Collins is our guest today. And she writes about the real-life complexities of being both a birth mom and an adoptive mom. Adrienne is married to her high school sweetheart. And they have five kids. They currently live in Denver, Colorado. And her message is that she believes our stories have meaning. We can choose grace over guilt and shame. And we can make peace with choices that have resulted in heartache.
1: Yeah, guys, I think you're really going to find the story fascinating. So here's your interview with Adrian.
0: Hello, Adrian. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really glad you're here. And we were just chatting for the last few minutes. You just had a really big event in your family. Do you want to tell us about it?
2: So this past weekend, um, my daughter got married, and so we, you know, were able to have this beautiful wedding up in the mountains in Colorado. And you know, it was her and I walked down the aisle with all four of my sons, and then my husband walked her down the aisle. And it was just a gorgeous, beautiful day, and so we were so excited to to just be all together as a family and celebrate that.
0: That's so wonderful. And, you know, this is not something you probably ever really expected would happen. Would you say that? No,
2: (laughs) that would happen.
0: It's kind of a dream, a dream come true. So why don't we go back to the beginning? Your relationship with your daughter is very special. I mean, all of our relationships with our kids are special, but it's unique and there's a lot of unexpected involved in it. So why don't we go back and you tell us a bit of your story?
2: I'm a birth mom and the daughter that, you know, we just celebrated her wedding. I'm also, you know, her birth mom and placed her for adoption at birth. And so there was no way for me to know that one day I would be, you know, in a chapel with her watching her say her vows. And, you know, at the time I was 20 years old when I found out I was pregnant, I was a junior in college. And I just remember, I mean, really just panicking, um, you know, I'd always wanted to be a mom. I mean, it was like something I dreamed about and I just wasn't in the the, the right space and time to do it. And I remember just wrestling for months and months and months um, about what I was going to do. And I was so terrified of, of, um, you know, being pregnant at the time I was attending a private Christian school. And I was so terrified of anyone finding out or of rejection from family and peers that I went to have an abortion. And I found myself in this abortion clinic. I remember just thinking, okay, I can do this. I, if I, I'm i just going to get this over with. Everything will be back to normal. Um, no one will find out anything. And I just remember like laying on this table and, you know, they wanted to make sure I was exactly how many weeks I was. And so they brought an ultrasound machine and, and I remember turning my head to it and just seeing life you know I mean there was moving arms and legs and just this rapid heartbeat and it was like this veil was lifted you know all of a sudden and I was like no no I'm gonna give her life I'm gonna give her life and I'm gonna figure out plan b whatever it is but I'm I'm gonna give her that that chance and so I remember running out of the office and not knowing what to do but I called um, my boyfriend who was long distance and just said you know what I'm going to stay pregnant. I'm going to get birth. I don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but I'm going to move forward. And so I actually hid my pregnancy for probably five months at the time just because I was so terrified of being kicked out of school. Um, And it was a really lonely time in my life. But I just remember that God had a plan for her and that he was going to walk us through that journey together and so you know in the end I chose adoption I just realized I didn't have a I couldn't provide the kind of life that I wanted to for her and all these dreams and and aspirations and goals for her that I really felt that I couldn't do at the time but that God had um, someone else in mind to do that and step in my place when I couldn't.
0: So you said that uh, after you decided not to have the abortion, you called your boyfriend at the time. And I'm a little bit curious about how you two worked through that, about having the baby and what you were going to do. And I think what's really interesting is you two did end up getting married. He is your husband. You had more children together. So um, I don't know. It's just a unique part of your story. Do Do you want to share anything about that, how you decided together or if you decided together?
2: You know, it was really difficult. I will say there, it wasn't a, um, I mean, it was a joint decision, but I struggled way more than I think he did. And I think the reason was when I was carrying the baby and I would always wanted to be a mom, I connected to, you know, that dream and, you know, he was, um, from a home of poverty. And so for him, he was terrified that he couldn't provide what he wanted to if we had a child together at the time. And I think there are all these fears that played into, you know, his decision. And so he felt way more confident in placing for adoption than I did. And I mean, that's just the reality of it and the truth of it. And, you know, we did move forward together. um, Even though I was hesitant, it was just in my mind, I knew it was the right thing to do. It just didn't make it easy. And it didn't make it um, any less heartbreaking for me. Um, even though it's like a logical decision, it still was very emotional. And so we went through that journey together. And you know, we were long distance for most of the pregnancy. And it was only in the summertime, when he got back from college, and I came back to college in the same city, that we went to an adoption agency together and started making a plan and Um, So I did feel like he was there for me, you know, those last couple months. And of course there for me the entire step of the way, but I felt like our healing process was very different. You know, we got married probably about a year right after that. And so I went back to school right after giving birth, like maybe three days um, and so I was long distance again. And so I had that journey to heal like all by myself, which was very lonely and he was healing in a totally different way. And so it really took us years, years to really come back together and understand where each other was in that process. And I think that's just the hard thing about um, adoption is, is that healing process for two parties can look so different and um, we 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 heal in different time frames in different ways, and so it was it was hard. And I'm glad we went through it, but it wasn't easy.
0: No, I and I think I wonder if he experienced more relief, and you experienced more grief.
2: Putting it, yes, that's such a good way of putting it. And it was for me; it was this grieving, this loss mm. that I have given up piece of myself away. I am never going to be healed. I'm My heart is breaking. And I think you're right for him at the time, it was a sense of, okay, you know, we made this decision, let's move forward. I'm going to go ahead and start my career. We're going to start our marriage. And, and so he was able to do that. Um, but, you know, years later, when our daughter came back in our life, I think that's when he, you know, had to process all the feelings that he didn't get to process early on. And so I was there for him when, when he went through that. It's just, it's fascinating how that healing can just look so different for different people. Um, Absolutely. I have also realized there's not one that is better than another. Um, You know, his doesn't have to look like mine and vice versa, but I had to, to realize that and understand that.
0: So it sounds like in terms of timing, you made it to the end of the semester. Is that right? Like spring semester. And then where was home? Did you go home for the summer? So home was in Colorado.
2: So I did, I went back to, I went back home for summer break and um, my boyfriend, you know, who's my husband, he went back for summer break as well. And so we joined together and went through the adoption process together. And, you know, (laughs) when it was, His 21st birthday was the day that I went into labor. She was actually born on his birthday. And so my, you know, husband and daughter share a birthday. And it was, I, it was just such a surreal day. Um, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you give birth and you just start watching a clock. Yes. Like you're just watching minutes and just counting down. And uh but just wishing God would just stop time, you know, for just a little bit, because it just starts going. And I, you know, we had 48 hours um with our daughter and you know, I just cherished every second I could. And, you know, I had this plan to have the adoptive parents come in my room
0: and last minute.
2: I just said, I don't want anyone here. This is all I get. They're gonna have thousands and thousands of minutes and I'm gonna have this short time. And so I really held on to that and You know, it was, it was heartbreaking to watch, you know, my husband, you know, hold his daughter and watch them together and all these what ifs, you know, are in my mind and what, you know, what could this look like if we were to keep her? And it was just what this wrestling moment, even in the last seconds, it wasn't like, you know, I walked in there with this plan and like, okay, here we go. I mean, I was just all over the place. I mean, I was looking, looking at the door, like waiting for a savior to come in and just rescue me and just make it all work. And that I could just, you know, be a mom and provide everything I wanted. And, you know, the white picket fence and everything would just come together. So it was really hard. I was devastated. And I think at the end I just couldn't give her directly to the parents. I just, I couldn't do it. And so I remember asking my dad, if he would come and do that for me. And, you know, at the time I didn't really think of what I was asking. Like I was, heart, you know, breaking his heart too, but um, he did that for me. He, you know, took her in his arms and said goodbye to his granddaughter. And um, I just felt like somebody carried me out of the hospital. I don't know how I got out. I just did. And it was a really hard um, couple of days that
0: followed and Years, really. Years, yeah. Well, and just in case there's someone listening who doesn't know my story, we share this experience, this heartbreaking experience of being birth moms. And I understand about the clock ticking and, you know, just the the desperate feeling of hoping someone would come and say, I will help you because in my situation, I didn't have that. So, okay. Tell us a little bit, if you want to, about how both of your parents, your his parents, your parents, Were they supportive? Was there anybody saying, no, don't do that? What what was the feeling? I mean, that's a great question. You know,
2: my parents were very supportive. And when I mean supportive, I mean they didn't try to coerce me into one decision or another, although I knew they were supportive of adoption. Um, And I do think that they thought that was the best um, there were times I'll admit that I wish they would have said or swooped in to rescue me, right? They would have said, you know, we'll take care of her for a couple years until you get on your feet. And, you know, I just selfishly wanting that looking back, I'm glad they didn't offer that because I know that would have been really heartbreaking and really hard for everybody. And but at the time, you know, I just remember I knew they supported me. I just there wasn't a lot of conversation. So I felt pretty alone in it. Um, And we've had conversations since I think at the time, it was just they didn't know what to say, or how to help. And so and then my husband's parents were out of the picture. He didn't have a really good relationship with with them at the time. And so we didn't have a lot of emotional support on either side. Um, And so I think that was hard. It just felt lonely. And again, I don't think my parents meant to be isolating. I just think we didn't know how to talk about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, these things are so painful that it is hard to talk about. Um, tell us a little bit about the agency and what that experience was like.
2: You know, the agency we had an amazing social worker. She was great. She put together a plan, um, our adoption plan for us. I just remember being in an office and just having them very welcoming to us and. And being very, I mean, if they they provided probably the most emo- emotional support um, that we were given. But, you know, I had chosen a couple who was not uh, going through an agency, but they were going through a private lawyer. And so all of those home studies and everything were very different. And um, looking back, you know, I wish there would have been more maybe investigation into background and more home studies given, you know, more information given at the time. I didn't know a lot about that. I was pretty naive about what that process was like. Mm -hmm. And I think today the, 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 you know, requirements and processes changed. Um, But at the time I don't felt like I had, you know, I had one visit with the adoptive parents. Um, You know, you're given like what, you know, a couple hours to get to know someone and, make a decision that they're going to be these forever family, you know, parents for your child. And so it's a really hard process. It's very strange and very, I mean, others, it's just hard to even make that kind of decision. Um, Mm -hmm. You just do the best you can with what you know at that time. And that's all you do.
0: How did you find them or they find you in the first place? How did that connection happen? I remember
2: telling a girl that I was pregnant and for some reason, I told her not to tell anybody, but she told her mother and then her mother knew a couple that was looking to adopt. And so she said, can this couple send you a letter? And I said, sure, they can send me a letter. And so I received this letter at college. And I remember just looking at it and they would just looked like my boyfriend and I, you know, like 20 years from now. And and they, you know, just their desire to have kids and all that they could provide and offer and the it just, you know, it just connected with me, but it still made me really sad. You know, I remember just crying reading the letter cause I was like, these people can parent, but I can't. Um, so that was really hard for me. And I did not call them, did not pursue it until probably the last month, like eight, eight and a half months pregnant, where I was forced to make that choice. Like I, if I'm gonna choose adoption, I actually have to choose parents. And since they were the ones I connected to, that was what I chose to pursue.
0: Okay. So you came to the agency already with adoptive parents picked out and they, and they were willing to facilitate that. They were, they were willing.
2: So they worked with the adoption lawyer to work together and, and, you know, make that plan and process and have it all come together. So that's how it worked. So I guess it would be more of a designated adoption at that point.
0: Can you even describe what the weeks and months after that were like? Can you go there? That's a hard thing for me to go to sometimes.
2: It's so hard to go there because you almost, I almost feel like I had to numb myself. yeah, Like just to function, uh, to survive, like you're in survival. And I remember, you, know, you have all these outward symptoms of being a mother, right? Like your milk comes in and you're supposed to be breastfeeding, but you're not. And, you know, you have this stomach, you're supposed to, you know, have this baby in your arms, and you don't. And it's just, it's so traumatic. It's so devastating at that time, just to process that you have really given up something that you cherish so deeply. And so those days following a month was so difficult. I remember just kind of walking in like a trance, kind of, you know, like I wasn't even really there. Um, and, and my boyfriend wasn't with me. And so he was um, starting his his career, his job. And so I felt really, really alone in that grief. Um, there was no way to just fill it with distractions. It was just there constantly. And I think I remember just, you know, having a goal, like something, I needed something that I could look forward to. And, you know, that was my degree in college. Like I just needed something, something tangible to have at the end of a journey. And so, you know, getting that degree was really important to me. And um, then I married shortly after and, And, you know, over time, I would say, you know, the wound is less raw. It doesn't ever go away. It's still there, but I think it got less raw and raw over time. And and I think it really helped me just to continue, you know, believing that God had a plan for her. He has a plan for me. And, um, you know, he's a plan in this journey. And I think that kind of kept me going.
0: So you graduated from college you got married and then how soon after did you and your husband have another baby?
2: So we had another baby uh, about three years after we got married. And so, you know, it was just, I was so excited. I mean, it was just, you know, like I said, I'd always wanted to be a mom. I mean, it was, it was just something in my heart from the very beginning when I was a kid, you know, I could not wait. So we, we um, gave birth to a, just a healthy baby boy. We were so excited. It was just, you know, a beautiful experience, so night and day, you know, from what I experienced before. And so it was a beautiful time. And then we ended up having two more boys, you know, pretty close together, you know, after that. And um, I just really cherished my time as a mom. I was really just, I think, to when you go through an experience, Um, where you have to place a child, I think you, I mean, cherish it so much more in a way because you almost, you realize what you sacrificed, you know, um, in order to give a child the best life possible. And so I just remember just, you know, just being so excited just to hold a child in my arms of knowing that, you know, I had come to this point. And so it was a great, we, we, um, you know, we moved around a lot, but, uh, I just love being at home. I, you know, stayed at home, I homeschooled, and then I decided to become a mentor, um, for birth moms, um, during that time. And I think I just always wanted to come alongside a birth mom during her walk, because I remember feeling so lonely in mine and, I didn't really know what the process was going to be like. No one really held my hand and told me, this is what you're going to feel in the hospital, you know, your healing process, what it's going to look like afterwards. And so I really started to um, feel like I was being called to just come alongside birth moms and walk along with them and hold their hand and talk to them and just kind of be a support system for them. And so I did that for a couple years. And I remember uh, there was a family friend that we had that encountered an unexpected pregnancy. And so uh, we met for coffee a couple times and and she was such a joy and I just loved her so much. And so when she was about six months, she turned to me at this little coffee shop and she just said, will you be the adoptive mom for my son?
0: We're interrupting this interview to ask you to do us a favor. Really, it's not for us, but for adoptive and foster parents just like you. If you find our podcast helpful, pause this episode and
1: revisit your podcast app where you can rate and review the show. Honestly, this isn't about making us feel good. This is about other parents finding confidence, hope, and friends who
0: understand. Thanks so much for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate you. Now back to the conversation.
1: And she just said, "Will you be the
2: adoptive mom for my son? You know, I never thought adoption would be in my story ever again. It wasn't anything I just imagined for myself. But I just felt right there called to to just be an adoptive mom. And I said, yes, right away. I didn't even ask my husband at the time. <laughs> that was, you know, something that, you know, he was in agreement with. He was. So that was amazing. And then we started this journey to be adoptive parents. And, you know, it was really interesting because I thought, okay, since I'm a birth mom, I'm going to know everything there is to know about being an adoptive mom. And, you know, that wasn't the case. I mean, there's a whole new set of fears that came with that. You know, I started thinking things like, what if I disappoint her? you know, what if I don't love her son the same as I love my three biological sons? What will that look like? You know, how do I manage this? How do I manage a relationship with her? And so a lot of these fears started coming up in the process, but um, she invited, you know, she invited us to her ultrasound and doctor's appointments. And so she was just, she really wanted an open adoption and it was just a new experience for me. Um, So I went through that naively, but just with you know, heart open. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and that's an interesting thing that we also share is that I'm also an adoptive mom. So we are both birth moms and adoptive moms. And I truly, I'm not sure I've ever met another woman who is both. So this is like, like listeners, listeners, you can't see this, but we can see each other's faces on the screen. And I'm just like, wow, I just want to sit and have coffee for about four hours. Okay. So I want to go back a little bit. What was the relationship like with your daughter's adoptive parents how much openness was was there
2: we planned for a semi-open adoption so and I and at that time open wasn't really I mean some it wasn't really prominent in the adoption Mm -hmm. Um, well let me jump in and ask what
0: year was your daughter born
2: she was born in 96 okay Yeah. So semi-open for us meant that we had agreed upon a certain amount of letters and pictures for three years. And after that, there was no obligation. There was, you know, to communicate or anything like that. And so, I mean, that was what was presented to me, you know, not knowing there was any other way of doing adoption besides closed. I mean, I was excited to do that. And an excited meeting. I was, you know, hesitantly anticipating that those letters and pictures would be, you know, something that would help my healing. And, and I think at first, every single one of those letters and pictures just stung. I mean, it's like reopening a wound every single time. It was really hard for me to even hear how she was doing because not that I didn't love her. It was just that I was just wanted to be her mom so bad. And then it was like a realization that I couldn't. And so it was really hard for me. Um, but over time, like I really, I mean, of course I appreciated the letters. I couldn't wait to read it. It was just a bittersweet. And after those letters and pictures were done and they did fulfill their obligation as they were asked, um, you know, we kind of went silent for many, many years. And for me, you know, I went silent for about 10 years and it wasn't again, because I didn't care or love her. It was just, I had to take a step back from my own healing and know that, you know, that was what's was best for me. And I really felt like she was, you know, in good hands and being taken care of. And so we just, um, you know, we were silent for many years.
0: But somewhere along the line that silence came to an end, did that, how did that happen? And was it on your daughter's side, your side, the adoptive parents, how did you reconnect? We reconnected about
2: two weeks after I brought home our newly adopted son. And so, you know, here I am holding this, sweet little infant boy in my arms and, you know, just adjusting to being a mom before and an adoptive mom and the phone rings and it was our 12 year old daughter. And so her, she was on the line with her adoptive parents and, you know, just said she has some questions. She would love to just um, get to know you guys. Is that something you'd be willing to do? And, you know, knowing developmentally, like she was at a stage where, you know, she was, you know, wanting to know, more about her family background and history and that whole identity. And so, you know, I felt at the time that my heart was just open and ready to navigate more of an open relationship with her. And I was so excited to arrange that visit um, with her and her adoptive parents. You know, interestingly, I had never told my boys that they had a sister. Oh, wow. (laughs) I had no idea (laughs) what they were in for, but a lot of guilt and shame, you know, was there. And which is probably one of the reasons that, you know, I stayed silent for so many years. It was a reason why I didn't tell my kids. I wanted them to have this idea of perfection, you know, of me. And I was terrified that they would just reject me, um, which is so interesting, you know, how that just clouds your judgment, just shame and guilt clouds, you know, that openness and vulnerability. And so I remember just, you know, just working up the courage to tell my boys he had a sister and they were all playing a video game or something and came down the stairs. And I had a picture of my daughter in my hands. And I said, I want you guys to know, you know, you have a sister, she's going to come visit. And the reaction was so subtle and subdued. It was like, cool, mom, can we go back to our video game now? I mean, they were so like, just nonchalant about it. And I bring that up only to say I had spent years of just hiding this secret because I was so afraid they were going to reject me. And their just, you know, easy, <laughs> you know, laid back response is like, you know, they have such an easy time accepting me and their story. You know, why am I having such a hard time accepting it for myself? And what am I teaching my boys, you know, if I'm trying to be perfect and, you know, not giving myself any grace. And so when she came to the door, you know, they just, we all just, you know, embraced her and hugged her. And they fought over who would, you know, sit next to her at the table. I mean, they just connected right away. So it was beautiful.
0: Oh, that's so wonderful. So you had a relationship with her parents as well. Did, were they involved in this meeting and reunion? And They were. They were involved
2: and they were very supportive and did bring her, you know, to visit with us. And And, you know, I could tell there was, just a little, there was a little bit of just some awkwardness and, and sure. I didn't know what that was. I think it was just probably, and if I'm just reading into it, I think it was difficult for them as well um, to, to have, watch her with birth family. And so I think that was just a really awkward, different situation that we were all in. And since we didn't have an open relationship from the beginning It was just hard. So, at the end of that, you know, we had a great connection with her. We decided to continue that relationship with letters and phone calls. Uh, And so, over the years, you know, she would come alone to our house and just spend time with us as she got older and older and older. And um, I think that was just, you know, an amazing time we got to have with her and spend one on one with her. And it worked out really well.
0: Now, where, what state did she live in? And where did you live at that time? So, she
2: lived in California. And we, um, well, at the time we were in Oklahoma and then we also moved to Texas. And so she got to visit us in different
0: places. So she would, she would fly in and visit you without her parents and you would just have time for a visit. That's pretty unique, really, you know, that it happened that way. Her parents must've felt like you were really good, solid people.
2: I think they wanted what was best for her but I don't think they were prepared and educated to have an open relationship with a set of birth parents and adoptive parents working side by side. And so, you know, when she turned 18 and was a freshman in college, I mean, everything just changed and we didn't realize how hard things were at home for her. Um, we didn't realize that there are some issues that, you know, we just, couldn't foresee really and promises that were broken and they asked her to choose between her birth family and them. And, you know, I can't imagine what that would feel like or to put someone in that situation. And so it was heartbreaking to watch, um, as a birth mom, you know, because you really go through this, I guess, feelings of betrayal that, um, you wanted them to be complete supportive and unconditional love and provide ongoing support for years and years and years. And to know that that's not there is really difficult um, as a birth mom to just even swallow, you know, cause you really felt like you'd sacrifice everything hoping that she would, you know, have those things. And when it wasn't that way, it was really hard. And so they um, decided to remove all emotional support and financial support from her and essentially just not be her parents you know i just remember my husband and i just devastated and trying to come up with a way that we could provide for her the way that we had wanted to and um so we found a way that we could readopt her into our family and since she was an adult um you know she just needed to give her consent um to choose her parents and so it wasn't easy. It was very hard, um, but we also wanted to give her, you know, the best life that she could at that point, and still help her into a healthy adulthood, and support her through college. And so, um, we went before a judge, and you know, we adopted our birth daughter as
0: as part of the family. Wow. I mean, I'm thinking about all of the adoptive parents who are listening to this right now, and what you listeners might be feeling as you're hearing this story. There's a lot of emotion here. And Adrian and I both really understand this because we're also both adoptive moms. So I hope you had a good therapist during this time of trying to be a birth mom, reuniting, bringing your daughter back into your family, being an adoptive mom. I mean, this is emotionally very complex And probably not super, super easy on your marriage or anything else. I mean, there must've been a lot of intense emotion. Oh my gosh. And thank
2: you for bringing up needing outside support, like a therapist. I did not have that. And I wish looking back that I had taken the time for myself to really go through that. And for my husband and I, it was extremely emotional. It was extremely heartbreaking because again, you know, for my husband, he started processing all these emotions that he hadn't felt and that he finally could provide and finally could give, you know also dealing with the guilt you know on his side, and I was dealing with guilt, not knowing that all the the people that I chose had now rejected her and me, and so there was so much going on, and it was just it was hard to even wrap my brain around it. I remember calling. My son's um, birth mom during this time, and I remember saying to her, "I want you to know that I want you and I to have the best relationship we possibly can. Where I don't want to fight over this, our son. This son is our son together, and we are going to do this adoption together. And I don't want you to ever feel like it's you against me. I think there was so many lessons in there, you know, just being an adoptive mom and knowing that there was enough room." to share and there was enough love to go around that it didn't have to be one against the other. And so that idea, um, just going through that really was formulated in my mind that no, that's not how adoption is supposed to look. You know, if if we can have a relationship, we do the best we can for the sake of our child. Why that may be awkward for me or may feel threatening in a way which it shouldn't, um, but that's what's best for a child is to have both sets of parents, if you can, in a healthy relationship. And so that was just really difficult for me to walk through. And still today, I still don't understand um, the choice there. And I still struggle with it. Like that hasn't completely healed. It's still going to be a question in my mind. Um, But I also know that, you know, God can use a story and turn it around, um, and her, you know, that story isn't done. And so there may be redemption and restoration down the road. And I really hope for that. And I really would support that. And, you know, just,
0: I think that's best for my daughter, honestly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I was thinking the same thing as you were talking is, it's not over. Like you, we cannot even imagine sometimes what God is going to do. Yes. Because his ways are so much higher and his thoughts are so much wiser than ours. And um, I was thinking about when my son came into my life again, he was 16 Mm -hmm. and it was a shock, a wonderful, wonderful thing I had longed for, but it was a shock. And Russ and I looking back, both agree. I desperately needed a therapist because I had so much PTSD, like serious, serious kind of breaking down because after my son contacted me, his parents cut off all contact again. And so I felt like I was just going through the grief process all over again. And it was extremely difficult and it kind of nearly broke me. It really did. I feel choked up just talking about it, but you know, we lived through it and um, but his parents never did accept me. And, you know, I don't really understand that either because I I felt like I cared so much for them. I mean, I prayed for them and prayed for them all those years. And to find out that they did not feel toward me what I felt toward them was very heartbreaking. And it it challenged my faith, you know, and just really was confusing for me. So, but as an adoptive mom, I also understand it was not what they were expecting. They, you know, my son was born much long before your daughter and it was closed adoption through Catholic charities. And um, this was not on their radar. This was not what they were expecting. It was not what they'd agreed to. And, you know, I think it was just not something that they could accept, especially at that time, but really ever. So it's been sad. And I, I think these conversations are so important because you're right. Like you've got birth family and adoptive family who fiercely love this child and want the very best. I mean, we wouldn't, nobody would choose adoption if they didn't really want the best, I think, for their child if they didn't love them. and I mean, there are, okay, I shouldn't say nobody would. There's certainly, like, in my case, there was a lot of coercion. So I didn't choose it. But, like, you chose it because you wanted something for your daughter. And it's heartbreaking when it doesn't turn out the way we imagine.
2: It's devastating. And you're right about the just PTSD. I mean, you relive this grief when you know, these people that you completely trust and love and pray for reject you. And you don't even really know why, other than you're a birth mom. And, or, you know, I, I think those misconceptions about birth parents are just things that we need to work through with adoptive parents too, to know that, you know, Things change all the time. And so even if there was a birth mom that, you know, was was struggling with an addiction or something, that's not her story forever. I mean, that could be her story for right now. But that doesn't mean ten years down the road or twenty years down the road, she's gonna be a healthy adult. And we adjust our plans as adoptive parents to be able to connect our birth child or you know, their birth child with their birth parents, if possible, because that is the best thing, you know, for them to have those relationships outside of just adoptive parents. And I feel like the more education and awareness that we, you know, give and learn from each other, that we can provide like the most ability for an adoptive child um, as they go older, because I don't want, you know, my son, I want him to, you know he's getting ready to um go on a little backpacking you know trip with his first family and i'm like packing his backpack for him i'm like go that's you know that's what i want for you and they're and they're beautiful people and she's the beautiful parents amazing and i'm like of course i want you to spend time with him because he's both of ours you know mm-hmm. and that's what's best for him And so not having that on the other side with my daughter's adoptive parents. And I will say the hardest thing about the wedding this weekend for me was that they weren't there. Uh, Yeah. And that was so emotional for me. And I was like, they needed to be here. Like both dads needed to walk her down the aisle. There was room for both. And that's devastating for me um, to know that you are with someone for 18 years and then walk away. Like that's, Mm -hmm. there's room for all of us in her life. And you're missing these key moments, Mm -hmm. you know, by causing a division, like there's no room for division. You know, we don't need that. And there's room for healing. And so for me, I'm going to keep praying. I keep um, holding on to hope because like you said, you know, God can change or, you know, he his story is continues and our journey continues and t- things can change at a moment's notice. But for adoptive parents, to we need to adjust, you know, as things change and be flexible, and open our homes when you know birth parents go through seasons of silence or go through seasons of, of communication. Like, no, there's both sides of that, and to be open to both sides of that.
0: Mm, that's really well said. I, there is room. There is enough love. There really is, and I think our children can accept it they, I don't think children find it super complicated no. <laughs> to love and have multi, even multiple sets of parents. I mean, there are a lot of kids that live with that exactly. because of divorce and remarriage and all kinds of things. And I think it's we parents who are the ones that struggle, you know, and the openness that you have in your adoption with your son is a beautiful example of why it does not have to be that way. It just doesn't. So, well, I love your story. I could talk to you for hours and I hope that we're going to get to do that sometime. We need to figure out a way to spend some time together because um, it's just truly, it's really, it is rare for me to get to talk to another birth mom and, and one who's also an adoptive mom. Like we must, I don't know. I know there are probably some other ones out there, but not a lot, not a lot of us. So is there any final thing you'd want to share with our listeners?
2: just remembering that we not, you know, we don't need to hold on to perfect, that we need to choose grace, you know, always over guilt and shame for ourselves and know that, you know, God has a purpose in our journey, a purpose in our story. There is meaning in every story. And I think the more we're open and vulnerable to each other, the more we gain wisdom from one another. And so I just, and another thing is when we go through these hardships and trials, you know, there's just, you know, I've learned so much about love and grace and forgiveness and God's peace and so just just to be aware that when we go through circumstances that are that are hard to know that, that you know God is going to walk us through it and that he has something for us on the other side and he's teaching us um, to be more like him in the process and so I just you know, remember that you know when I encounter hardships and to know that you know, our story' not done and that he's still with us.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I really appreciate getting to know you.
2: Me too. It's such a pleasure getting to know you. And thank you for having
1: me. Wow, Lisa, what a fascinating story. I kind of feel like I was listening to a recap of like a Lifetime or a Hallmark movie. It's almost surreal.
0: Yes, it was such an interesting conversation. And I know that there's so much more to the story. The good news is that Adrian has written a memoir about her decision to relinquish her daughter at birth and the journey to rediscover herself in the following years. And it's slated to be released spring of 2021. So if you want to know more about that, you can follow Adrian on her website, which is just adriancollins.com. And on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, she is Adrian Collins. And for the exact spelling of her name, it will all be in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at theadoptionconnection.com 105. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We
1: love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us
0: reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you.
1: The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevear.